Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein. I believe you are in for a special treat today with my conversation with a person you've likely heard on the radio. You've heard his voice when you listen to such radio programs as Walk in the Word with Josh McDowell or Open Line and Proclaim on the Moody Radio Network. His voice is also well known through other programs, including The Public Square, Know the Truth, and In Studio with Michael Carr, just to name a few. Do you know who I'm talking about? If you said Wayne Shepard, you're correct. Wayne Shepard has enjoyed a lifelong career in radio and Christian ministries dating back to 1970 when he began his career as a student announcer on WCDR Radio, Cedarville's radio station. For 25 years, he served at Moody Radio in Chicago as a network's program manager and on-air host for several shows, including the popular Midday Connection. I am so excited to talk with Wayne Shepard today on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Welcome, Wayne. It's great to have you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mark. It's an honor to join you today. This is uh, something I look forward to. In preparation for today's program, I was wrestling with actually where to begin the conversation. What should I ask a radio icon who has interviewed everyone from Billy Graham and Luis Palau to just about everyone in between? So, Wayne, let me begin by asking you how you prepare for an interview, especially with someone of the high profile of a Billy Graham. I just bring a sense of curiosity. I, I just uh, think uh, long and hard before the interview. I don't really, at this stage of my life, I'd be honest with you, it's not what you know new, newbies should do, but uh, I don't really plan questions ahead of time too much. I like to have a, a starting point of where I want to begin, and I want to have kind of an idea of where I want to end, but the, the middle part is all curiosity and discovery. I like to just ha- follow the thread of the conversation and see what happens. So, of course, you have to be aware. You know, you do a little bit of research. Um, I particularly like to know the personality of the person I'm interviewing, and which is easy these days with uh, the Internet, with YouTube and everything. Everybody's on YouTube or have some exposure online, and you can get a, a handle on uh, what their personality is like, you know, if they like to give long answers, short answers, and sure. you can be prepared, be prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm one of those newbies that you mentioned because I'd like to have maybe a dozen questions prepared as as I've done my research. Oh, sure. But I really, but I really do like what you said. I like following the conversation because you never know where the person's going to take the story. Exactly, and you know, so many times I've been, uh, I'll say, surprised by by an answer, and I've got to follow that up. I can't just let it lie, you know, I, because I represent the listener. That's my That's right. attitude when I do an interview. I'm representing the listener, and I want to ask what, what interests them. And if something is said that needs to be pursued, then yeah, I want to absolutely. pursue it. So in addition to interviewing Mr. Graham, you've also assisted him with events. What were some of the programs where you serve the Lord with the Graham Ministry? Well, my association with the Graham Ministry was very uh, unofficial. I, I was with Moody Radio, as you've said, and my connection with the Graham Ministry simply was as a broadcaster covering their events. And I developed a relationship with Larry Ross uh, through the years. Larry uh, was Dr. Graham's right-hand uh, PR man and uh, is still very active today in public relations. And uh, knowing uh, Larry gave me some some inroads, some access to Dr. Graham. And how the main interview came about uh, that you referenced was a sit-down with Dr. Graham that took place at Moody back uh, when he wrote his book, Just As I Am, which was his biography. Actually, Joe Stoll was supposed to do the interview, 
Really? Joe was president of Moody, and Joe and I did a radio program at that time called Proclaim. And the idea was for Joe to introduce, in, interview Billy, and, and we would put clips of it on Joe's program, Proclaim. Well, the night before, Joe called me and said, my mother's in the hospital. I can't be there. You've got to do the interview with Billy Graham. Uh, fortunately, I, I knew a lot about Dr. Graham's life from having read and studied him through the years. And so I stepped in to do the interview. And uh, Larry called and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to bring him to Chicago to do the Oprah show. And uh, we'll, we'll bring him over to the Moody Studios. And I got to tell you a story, Mark, of, of, of that day, because uh, the radio station at that time at Moody was in Kroll Hall, which is an 11, 12-story building. And it's moved on since then. But um, Dr. Graham walked into the floors where radio offices were located and without any prompting looked around and said, this is where I came to meet Bev Shea, George Beverly Shea, because he heard Bev Shea sing on the radio. And Billy said, I wanted to invite him to come sing on my songs in the night radio show. This is where I came to meet Bev Shea, unannounced. And then a few years later, Bev Shea came through, and I asked Bev to retell the story without telling him what Dr. Graham had said. And he told it uh, word for word what Dr. Graham said. They, their stories matched perfectly. And Bev pointed to my corner office with a glass, full glass door and said, that used to be my office. And this is where Billy looked through the glass and saw me and talked his way past the secretaries to get to me. And Bev looked wistfully at that door and said, my name used to be on the door. And I said, well, I want you to put it back. So I gave Bev a Sharpie, and he, underneath my printed name on the door of my title and all that stuff, you know, he, he writes, uh, George Bevershay, staff announcer, 1939 to 1944. And uh, that was on that glass. And when I uh, left Moody a number of years ago, with permission, I might add, I took that piece of glass with me. So I, I have that in my office. When you think back to your time in the ministry with Moody and, you know, interviewing people, are there a handful of people or a couple of people who that you think that really inspired you uh, professionally and spiritually? Well, uh, I have to admit, Mark, and you didn't, you didn't ask me to say this, but I have to admit that the very first person to do so was at Cedarville. His name was Paul Gaffney, was the station manager for WCDR, the radio station the, the college owned at that time. And that was my big attraction to coming to Cedarville in the first place was I knew that I would get practical hands-on experience in radio. I had no experience at that point, but I knew I wanted to have something to do with radio. I didn't know what it would be. I, I just felt since I was a child that God wanted me in radio. I didn't know if I was supposed to repair radios or, or, or build radio stations or what. But Paul was the, the first mentor, and I'm very grateful to him. Of course, Dr. Jim Phipps is another one. Oh, wow. Um, I was, uh, you know, my sophomore year, the Institute of the Broadcast Major, so I was one of two students who signed up originally to be broadcast majors at, at Cedarville back in the, I think, probably the 71 academic year. So those are those were my starts, and there have been many people through the years. Uh, I, I realize that I, I, uh, I stand on the shoulders of some great people who encouraged me and, and uh, taught me and led me and spiritually mentored me as well. So I'm very grateful to everyone along the way. Wayne, um, Ephesians 3.20 has become a favorite verse of mine because I know that God has done immeasurably more in my life than I could ever ask or imagine. The Lord has definitely blessed my work, and, and in light of that, I'm, I know he's blessed your career. So as you, as you think about your career, how have you seen the Lord do exceedingly more in your life than you even imagined? Well, I mentioned that since I was a kid, I've always been fascinated with radio, and I always felt that, you know, God wanted me in radio. If, if 
I was a nine-year-old at summer camp and uh, around the campfire, you know, giving my life to Christ and telling everybody else what I thought I was going to do with my life at nine, I would tell them that I wanted to be in radio, but I had no concept of what that meant. And uh, in high school, I had a little bit of uh, experience working with a tape recorder and a microphone. That was about the extent of it. And then coming to Cedarville uh, and going on as an announcer at WCDR, I, I was just a kid from rural Michigan with no no reason for anybody to uh, look at me and think there's anything radio special about this person at all. Except, and I will say, and this, there's a lesson here for, for all of us, I think, when my voice changed, you know, I think I was probably, what, 11, 12, whenever your voice changes as a young man, and a plumber in my church put his arm around me and poked me in the ribs and said to somebody, don't you think this kid belongs in radio? He had no idea that I wanted to be in radio, and he was making fun of my voice. But I took that seriously. And uh, that just is an illustration of how our words to young people can make a difference because that, that propelled me uh, in many ways into, into what I do today and have been doing all these years. So I love to think about whoever said, we don't get the life we deserve, we get the life God designs. And uh, I've seen that happen over and over again in my life. I couldn't have created the opportunities I've had, God-given opportunities. And Proverbs 16.9 says, a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And uh, I think I'm a living embodiment of that. I think we're all an embodiment of that as we, you know, I, I, I think back to my career in higher education, public relations. I, this is, Cedarville is my sixth university where I've worked. Okay. And there, there were times earlier in my career that some things we were able to accomplish. That wasn't me. That was God yeah. orchestrating yeah. everything. And I'm so humbled by how he, like you, takes a, a, a rural Michigander to do his work. And that's, that's who I am. I'm just a guy from Southwest Michigan, and I, I want to do whatever the Lord has for me to do. I'm so honored. Yeah, perfect illustration, Mark. It really is. We have to be grateful, don't we? We, we really do. You didn't know this, but I had Paul Ganthony in my notes. And I, I do want to talk about oh. Paul. How influential was that mentoring, not when you were going through it as a student, mm-hmm. but more so as you're, you're well into your career, were there still lessons you were able to take from Paul that you learned as a college student here? Oh, yeah, uh, very definitely. Uh, the, the fundamentals of how to program a radio station I learned from okay. Paul. And uh, then when the opportunity came in the early 80s to create the Moody uh, Broadcasting Network, which was a satellite, it was a brand new thing. It was a, a whole new program schedule, a whole new way to do radio, to reach the entire nation with a live program. Uh, I took those principles that uh, began with Paul and, and was the, one of the architects then of the Moody Broadcasting Network. So very, very definitely in, in many ways. Um, and I, I often look back on that experience and thank God for that, you know. So as important, Wayne, as Paul Gathing has been to your professional career, I have to believe there's one other thing that he's done in your life that's even more important than that, and that is connecting you with Rebecca. Tell me how he did that. <laughs> Do you know the story? No, I don't. I want to hear it. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, uh, I guess you could say Paul introduced me to my my Rebecca, who became my wife. Um, of 50 years, right? Uh, yeah. We 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 just celebrated our 50th anniversary this last uh, spring. Becky worked for Paul. She was a student at, Mo- at Moody. She was a student at Cedarville. And uh, she worked part-time as a secretary for Paul. She had come to uh, Cedarville after a gap year where she worked at Marathon Oil up in Finley, Ohio. So she was an experienced secretary, and uh, she was Paul's part-time secretary. And I 
became the student manager in my second year of WCDR because of Paul's mentoring. And so Paul really introduced us, um, you know, and I, I invited uh, Becky to go on a motorcycle ride with me, and the rest is history. So, <laughs> so how long did it take you to realize that Becky was the one for you? Not long, not long at all. Yeah, we were married before I graduated, actually. Uh, she graduated just a bit before me. I actually graduated in the summer of 73, just a bit early, but we were married in the spring of 73. So, And I worked at CDR professionally after graduation for a year. I don't know if you know Jim Leitenheimer, uh, uh-huh, who's a I professor. I, I assume you do. So yep. if, if if Jim asked you, said, Wayne, I want you to come back to Cedarville and, and provide some insight to today's college students, broadcasting majors, what would you want to share to those students about the profession, the ministry, and everything related to broadcasting? Well, first of all, I'm not a teacher. I've learned that through the years. I've, I've tried to teach, and I, you know, I feel like I'm a doer and not a teacher. I, I, I like to lead by example. But uh, I, I would tell them to become as broadly educated as you can. Uh, I, I often joke with people that I'm a mile wide and an inch deep. I can talk about anything with anybody, but just don't go too deep. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's what a, to me, what uh, a good interviewer is uh, with that sense of curiosity. So get that good, solid education. Be, put yourself in a position to learn with whatever opportunities you have. If they, if they seem uh, limited or the tools don't seem to be everything that they could be, still learn everything you can from the tools that you're given. Be patient. Be a learner. Find those people that can uh, help you along the way. Yeah, I think uh, if there's one thing that you and I probably have learned over time is uh, relationships are essential. Oh, uh, yes. Because, yeah. because they're connections. They're, they're connecting points to who knows what, right? Yeah, you have no idea. We have no idea what what a relationship that's forged, even when we're a student, uh, for instance, at Cedarville, how that's going to pan out in the years ahead as the Lord provides. Yes. Before we, we wrap up today's program, I want to go back to a day that our nation will never forget. I know you have a story here, that being 9-11. Back mm-hmm. then, on that day, you and our mutual friend, WMBI Morning Drive anchor Mark Elvstrand, provided listeners with national coverage of what was going on in New York, Washington, D.C., and Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Do you recall those thoughts that were racing through your mind as you kept listeners informed, and what were they? Very vividly, I remember the day, as most Americans do. Um, I was in my office on the 10th floor of Kroll Hall. I was not on the air at that particular time. Mark was on air with uh, two floors below with WMBI, the local Chicago radio station, doing his normal morning radio duties. And uh, when the news broke, uh, our boss, uh, Bob Neff, who was vice president of radio, called me because I was stunned like everybody else. And he called me and said, you need to get down to the studio. You know, I was, I was the principal voice for the network at that time. Mark was the principal voice for the local radio station. And he said, you need to get down to the studios and, uh, and we need to go on the air because we service so many other radio stations around the country. They need to know what's going on. Well, obviously, you know, we, we had a team of people, you know, most radio stations have three or four individuals on staff and we had a team of I don't know how many people that could pitch in all together and do research and find out details and communicate with listeners what was going on. So I, I joined Mark uh, in the studio along with his newsman, Dave Mitchell. Uh, Joe Stoll was in a board meeting, actually, on the floor in between the two of us on the ninth really? floor. So 10, 9, 8, we all got together and Joe came to the studio 
and we were on the air that day. And Mark, the thing I will never, ever forget is the, the listener who contacted us and said, when the news broke, I had to go to WBBM, which is the all-news station in Chicago. I had to find out the facts of what was going on. That's the, that's the go-to news station. But after a few minutes, I realized I needed, I needed a different perspective. I need to know what God thinks of what's going on. And that's when I came back to WMBI in Chicago. And I think that really says it uh, the best of anything I can think of, of what, as what happened that day. And as the Lord, uh, as the Lord would have it, you know, what we did that day was amplified, amplified around the country on dozens of radio stations who were affiliated with Moody or joined the Moody Network at that time simply because it was a Christian source of information for what was going on. And I hear from radio station managers all the time of what that meant to them that day to be able to plug into the network and trust what uh, what was being said that it was factual and that it was uh, it was in line with God's word and we we were praying with listeners we were praying for victims we were praying for our leaders a day like no other in American history and a day like no other for us broadcasters too and it's hopefully it's a day we we don't see again anytime soon how are you getting updates uh, in real time because Early on, that was a fast-moving story. Yeah, yeah, we didn't know what was going on very often. We we were in the same shoes as our listeners. We you know we were discovering the details as listeners were discovering them. You know we had we had enough staff that we could spread spread them out and listen to all the other media sources. So they were all watching the news channels and and the networks and wire services and our we were making phone calls into New York with people like Jim Cimbala and others, you know, to find out what was going on. The way to put it is we had more resources than the average radio station because we, we had uh, the entire network crew who were who could pitch in, and I'm very thankful for the team that day. It was the best example of teamwork I've ever seen where our, our, our people just all pitched in, and whether it was their job or not, they rolled up their sleeves and said, what can I do to help? And uh, it was remarkable. How long did that broadcast go? Or were you... Was it till noon, yeah. or did you go longer? No, no. As I remember, it was on for a couple of days. Um, okay. Yeah, and then I think it culminated on uh, when Dr. Graham spoke at the National Cathedral in that uh, service. You know, we didn't quite have the sophistication that we have now in terms of interconnectivity with all this, the Internet and so on, and so we had to work hard to get the actual audio live feed from Washington, D.C. on the network, but uh, the Lord worked that detail out as well, so... It was, a, it was quite an unforgettable experience, and uh, you, yeah. as you say, I hope it never happens again. But you know what? When the Lord opened up the whole satellite technology, I was often quoted as saying at that time that there, there's a reason why God is giving us this technology. There's a reason. And it, 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 at the time, I thought it had to do with revival. Right. Uh, I obvious. thought when, when, when something happens in one corner of the country, the other corner of the country knows about it immediately because of network radio. And, and, I, and I, I believe that happened with Promise Keepers, you know. Uh, later on, the Promise Keeper movement came about, and it spread so quickly and so widely, I think, because of radio. And we were very actively involved in broadcasting those events many times. So I want to go back to something you said, just to dive a little deeper it's intriguing and it's important and that is you know you had that one listener who was getting their news they wanted to get the facts from wbbm that's the news station but they came back to you because they wanted to get the the truth what what in your mind set your broadcast apart from we, wbbms 
we were hearing from spiritual leaders. We were hearing from the Joe Stoles and the Erwin Lutzers, and, and we were doing a lot of praying. We had special prayer programs uh, during those days as well. And I wish I could remember exactly how long we went, but I know it was at least two or three days where we were almost continuous with coverage. That's what you'd expect from a, a Christ-centered organization is to put it in biblical context. Right. Well, listeners were looking for comfort. We were all looking for assurance and comfort that we were going to make it, that this country wasn't you know, being destroyed. We, we all remember the, the panic almost that set in, at least in those early hours, and what comfort was necessary. What better comfort than hearing God's Word and praying to, to the Lord uh, and hearing others assure us calmly uh, that, you know, the Lord, the Lord is sovereign. Yeah, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So prior to 9-11, Wayne, were you part of any crises, you know, professionally, that helped prepare you in any way for 9-11 on the radio at Moody? Uh, oddly enough, I'll go back to Cedarville and the uh, tornado that struck in oh, yeah. 73, was it? I, I remember... Uh, we we lived in Cedarville, of course. Um, we had an apartment there, and the experience of having that trauma, and I remember jumping in a, a car and driving into Xenia to see really what was going on, and I was reporting for WCDR and for WEEC at the same time, um, and reporting what was going on, and that, that really stuck with me in terms of, you know, what radio could do to disseminate information and, and in Christian contexts prayer and comfort at the same time. So is it fair to say uh, your time of covering the 9-11 terrorist attack was the most challenging uh, in your radio career to do? I think so, yeah. I haven't thought about it in those terms, but I think you're right. Uh, certainly was, uh, was instrumental in, in, that, in that way, yes. So how did the Lord sustain you during this trying time so you could, so you could speak clearly? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go back to the team that we had around us. You know, it, it may have been my voice that was on the radio, but there were so many people, and I can name name after name of people who were right there supporting us in every possible way and uh, sustaining us. So the, the Lord had a team working for him that day. Since 2007, uh, you've stepped away from Moody Radio and have gone on your own to form Wayne Shepherd Communication. Uh, in this work, you provide broadcasting consulting services. You do countless voiceovers and well-known radio programs and audiobooks. Um, what are some of the programs that you voiced over that listeners may recognize today? Well, um, I'm, I'm back with Moody in a sense because uh, a few years ago I was asked to host the uh, new president's program. The, the, the president of Moody now is Mark Job. And when he came on the scene, they started a radio program featuring him on a daily basis, which is what I had done with Joe Stoll when he was president at Moody. So Bold Steps with Mark Job is one of the programs I do. Uh, a couple of pastors out of California, Philip DeCourcy and Paul Shepard, are two of the pastors on daily radio that I act as host of their program and kind of like conversational partners when they need it, you know, someone to, you know, in, introduce the message, that kind of thing. Uh, I do a parenting program. I don't claim any expertise in parenting teenagers, but we do a program called Parenting Teens that the expert is Mark Gregston, and I'm simply the foil. <laughs> I'm the guy that can uh, ask a question or two of Mark and get him rolling. Uh, so that's a lot of fun to do. I do my own program called First Person because of the fact that I really enjoyed interviewing through the years, and I missed it once I left Moody. I didn't have any access to working every day at a radio station. 
And so I decided uh, with the Lord's uh, direction to start a program on faith, not knowing if it would be a success or not in terms of getting an audience. And here about 12 years later, we have about 500 radio stations carrying First Person, which is a weekly interview program. And there are other programs as well. I do a public public policy program called The Public Square with uh, Dave Zanotti out of the Cleveland and Nashville area. Uh, Ed Young in Houston. Um, let's see, I'm probably forgetting some. I do a lot of volunteer work with organizations whenever I can as well. Far East Broadcasting Company, uh, Mission Eurasia, very active in, in especially Ukraine the last couple of years. And I have a, a real heart for the Ukrainian people and what's been going on. So we, we try to help wherever we can. How did these, these opportunities come to be? I mean, obviously, they know you from your experience, from your work with uh, Moody and, and whatever, but um, they come to you or do you, you seek them out or how, how does that happen? No, I, I really haven't had to go look too much for, for this kind of assignment, Mark. Uh, I think it's because what you mentioned, it was my association with Moody and what you talked about earlier, relationships. All the relationships that I've built up through the years, people know who I am. They know what I do. They know what I bring to the table. If I can help them in any way, um, you know, I'll try to do that. So that's that's how it's it's come about. So, and you know, I'm I recognize that I'm I'm getting up there in age, but I feel like you know the Lord hasn't tapped me on the shoulder yet and said it's time to slow down. Uh, as long as I have the voice that uh, the Lord has uh, blessed me with, that I plan to use it. So we'll see how long that continues. And, and that leads me to my final question. Um, what, what, what do you hope is next for Wayne Shepherd? I, I just want to go out strong, Mark. I, I want to finish strong. I want to finish as a good example. I want to finish um, with, um, you know, people looking and, and saying, you know, that's, that's what a life given over to Christ can do. That's what can be accomplished uh, to someone who's surrendered to him. You know, I, I didn't start out wanting to be in Christian radio. Even when I attended Cedarville for the first couple of years, I was on my way thinking I was going to be a hotshot DJ somewhere or sure. radio station manager, you know, that kind of thing. And then the Lord gradually began to work on my heart. And, uh, and I couldn't have designed, as we said, I couldn't have designed a better life. Back then, Christian radio wasn't what it is today. So I understand why you would think you, you're going to go to the top market and be the top uh, DJ. Uh, that, that's that's natural, yeah. Yeah, well, it's changed in many, many ways, and, and, and for the good. It really has become a, a potent force for the gospel it, it, uh, in reaching people, speaking their language, uh, touching them where they live. Uh, Christian radio is just—it's uh, it, got a bright future. It really does. I really want to thank you, Wayne, for spending time uh, with me and talking to our listeners. And, and, and for our listeners, if you want to learn more about Cedarville's bachelor's degree in broadcasting, digital media, and journalism, I encourage you to visit cedarville.edu and learn more. And Wayne, again, thank you for joining me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. It's great to be with you. My pleasure. Thank you, Mark. I want to thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. You are encouraged to share, like, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.